This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Trash Talk with TK. I'm your host, TK Tom Kelly. In this episode, we'll talk about the Phillies. They're going down the stretch run and their heartbreaking 14-inning late-night loss on Monday night in Arizona. Also talk about what the Phils need to do uh, to add to their roster down the stretch. Eagles training camp, what I have observed off of watching them practice several times and talk a little bit about what to expect in the preseason game against Steelers Thursday night. We'll also talk about a couple interesting contract situations going on around the NFL that have piqued my interest. Let's go. Tough loss on Monday night. Phillies lose to the Diamondbacks in Arizona. 3-2 to the final in 14 innings. And a really rough loss. A loss that worries you a little bit because you kind of feel like maybe that can deflate a team. You know, the, the Phillies, after getting a big win on Sunday with the, the homer by Cabrera to put them back ahead after losing a lead, you know, that you that you felt like that was a big win on Sunday. And you felt like maybe that could be the kind of victory that could springboard the team. Coming off a four-game, that, that finished off a four-game sweep. They had a big win Thursday night in that series. Michael Franco, the walk-off home run. And you felt like this could really be a springboard to something for this team. And a game on Monday that they had well in hand. You know, disappointing in the fact that you waste a tremendous outing from Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta, who people have gotten on at times this year for maybe not living up completely to the contract. He's being paid a lot of money this year. And at times, hasn't hasn't been... That that top of the rotation level starter that I think everybody expected and everybody just anticipated Jake Arrieta would be when he signed that big money deal uh, late late in free agency and you know early in the spring training process. So it was a disappointing loss. You're up two nothing going into the ninth. Sir Anthony Dominguez comes in. I don't fault Gabe Kapler in that spot for going to Dominguez. That'll be a big part of the story is that why don't you leave Jake Arrieta in? Why don't you let him try to finish it out? I understand that line of thinking, but Sir Anthony Dominguez has been pretty much lights out all year. Yes, he's had his struggles of late, but I still trust him in that kind of spot to get the job done. And, you know, you have the two-run lead, You got the insurance run, which was big to knock Herrera and Jorge Alfaro did a nice job of of hitting a fly ball to right to get that run in. A two-run lead, you know, Dominguez should be able to shut the door in that spot. And he gives up the solo home run, then then kind of a a bad luck double on a ball that was a fly ball into left, uh, kind of down the line. Nick Williams just couldn't get there. And 
The result is the Diamondbacks come back, tie the game, then in extra innings, nobody can get a big hit, and Arizona ends up winning the game. And as far as Dominguez, it is a little concerning. As I said, I had no problem with Gabe Kapler going to him in that spot. He has been your horse out of the bullpen all year. At At a very young age, already being given a vast amount of responsibility out of that bullpen, clearly the guy Gabe Kapler trusts the most. Whether it's in the ninth inning, whether it's in the middle innings, Gabe Kapler has shown repeatedly he will put Sir Anthony Dominguez out there when he feels the most imminent danger is present. And he has shown unwavering confidence all season long in Dominguez since he came up in you know late April, early May. But you do get a little concern that maybe he's hitting some kind of rookie wall here. You know, he's pitched a lot of innings at this point. Pitched a lot of innings in May and June when the Phillies bullpen was really weak. The bullpen is much better now as a whole than it was at that time. But you do worry that that workload, that pressure on his arm is starting to catch up with Dominguez at this point. And the big thing is you don't want him to lose confidence. You don't want him to lose confidence because you're going to need him. I mean, you are going, if you're going to make the playoffs, if you're going to win this division, Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to need to be a big part of why you make it. He is going to need to be very good down the stretch. Does he need to be perfect? No. Does he need to be what he was, the phenom he was in May and June? No, not necessarily, but you need him to be good. You need him to be reliable out of that bullpen because I'll tell you what. This bullpen is not nearly as bad as everybody makes it out to be, especially not now. Earlier in the season, fine. Earlier in the season, yeah. The bullpen struggled. The bullpen was a cause for major concern with this team. They weren't getting the job done. But lately, they're much more solid back there. Victor Rano has pitched very well. You know, I know people like to get on Tommy Hunter. Tommy Hunter has pitched much better over the last you know, four to six weeks, he's really kind of settled in and his his last few appearances have been very good. And if he could be a guy you rely on, that would be useful. Getting Meshack back off the DL, even though I'm personally, as I've said many, many times, I'm not a fan of, of Neshek as a guy. I don't think he's really a team player. I don't think he's really willing to lay it on the line for his ball club. He's got... He's got rules about when he can pitch. He pitches. He can't pitch for another three days. You know, he can only pitch a certain amount of pitches at a time. He can't He can't go out for multiple innings. Even if he throws like five pitches in one inning, he won't go back out for a second inning. I don't like that kind of thing. But, you know, it's just something you have to deal with with a guy like that. For the role that he is at least, I guess, willing to do, he can be valuable. You know, Pat Neshek has shown the ability to get major league hitters out consistently, which you can't say about everybody in that bullpen. But for all the people who are so anxious to, you know, for Gabe Kapler to anoint Sir Anthony Dominguez as the closer, this is why that was pointless at the time and why it's pointless now. You don't need to anoint anybody the closer. 
Gabe Kapler was reticent to do that, probably because, you know, he anticipated something like this could be coming. Now, what happens if you had anointed Sir Anthony Dominguez the closer? Now he's struggling. Now you take him out. Now it kills his confidence even more. You do it based on feel. You make your pitching changes. You, you, you get the matchups that are most advantageous to you. And that is what Gabe Kapler has stressed the whole time, and that is what he's done the whole time. And you just hope that Dominguez can recapture whatever it is he seems to have lost over these last couple weeks, whether it's his arms tired, whether it's mentally, he his confidence isn't at the, at the level it was earlier in the year. I'm not sure, but hopefully he can get it fixed because they really need him to, to get, get it back and be a big-time factor down the stretch. But Sir Anthony Dominguez, you know, he's only part of the equation why you lose that game. Phillies had multiple opportunities. I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep, I think, in the 10th or 11th inning. It was like 1 or one thirty. I was laying on the couch. I didn't make it. And I'm a guy, I stay up late. So uh, I, I, I usually will be able to stay up in that situation, but I had to get up early for the, for the midday show on Tuesday. So I, I didn't make it. But the Phillies had chances. I mean, the game goes 14 innings. you got to be able to score a run. You know, you got to be able to score a run in that spot. So you can't put it all in the bullpen. And this lineup, you know, is still a concern, remains a concern, the offense on this team. You know, they the bench is really a problem. And you saw it. It was evident in that game on Monday night. In a, in a marathon game like that where Gabe Kapler likes making moves, he makes a lot of double switches. And... You know, by the end of that game, you got Dylan Cousins in the game. And you got Andrew Knapp in the game. And it's it's just Roman Quinn, who, who has done well since coming off the DL. But you got guys who just aren't really big-time threats at the plate, big-time threats to knock the ball out of the park. And it really kills you when you got to replace main pieces in your lineup. You know, by the end of that game, Reese Hoskins is out. Nick Williams is out. I think Wilson Ramos will help tremendously in that regard. Ramos, hopefully at this point, will be back, you know, I guess within the next week to 10 days. They had said middle of August. We're now through the first week of August, so I think that's probably a good target point is hopefully by, you know, in the next 7 to 10 days you get Wilson Ramos back because He'll be a good bat in the middle of that order. When he's not starting, can give you a legitimate power threat off the bench. You know, the move, the, the, as Drupal Cabrera has helped, but it's not going to be enough. Another name that I've heard Philsby mentioned in re- regards to possibly acquiring um, now in August past the waiver deadline is Daniel Murphy, which I would be all for. Daniel Murphy, not the player he, he was in the past, defensively doesn't really give you a whole lot. Can really only play second base and first base. And, you know, at those at those positions, probably wouldn't get a lot of starts with Santana and Hernandez in there. But you talk about a legit bat off the bench, that would be huge. Daniel Murphy could be a great addition. If you just eat the salary, you don't have to give anything up. He could come in and be a great left-handed bat off the bench. He's the kind of guy who can make a difference. He is the kind of guy who... 
well, not even being an everyday starter, make, maybe making even minimal starts. He's the kind of guy that if you acquire Daniel Murphy, he can he can make a difference. He could be the difference between you winning this division, not winning the division. That's my biggest concern with this team right now. Yeah, the bullpen has struggled. Yeah, Dominguez is is a worry at this point. But still, my biggest concern with this team is their lack of ability to get hits off the bench. They just don't have depth. And in the National League, in the American League, you can live without a bench. Not in the National League. You need pinch hitters that can come off the bench and do the job. That's one thing that the Phillies are lacking tremendously right now. And, you know, hopefully some of the guys that are there currently can step up and hopefully they can make some additions because bench players are the kind of guys you can get still in August past the trade deadline. We are now just two days away from the Eagles' first preseason game Thursday night at home against the Steelers. And I can't wait. You know, preseason is always such a tease. You get into it, you watch... Yeah, the first quarter of the first game, and it's cool, and it's like then you're just ready for the for the regular season to start. But still, it'll be fun. Uh, it's nice that we have Eagles football every Thursday night for the next five weeks because all our preseason games are on Thursdays this year. Obviously, the opener is on Thursday night uh, to start the season. Obviously, the Super Bowl champion always hosts that opener, but it's been an interesting camp so far. I've been there several times. Um, between the Novacare Complex and the open practice on Sunday night. By the way, that open practice was incredibly impressive. That so many Eagles fans came out to watch not a game, but we talking about practice. And a ton of Eagles fans came out. And I'll tell you what, that crowd was raucous. We were doing a broadcast up in uh, Merle, Merle Reese's uh, Eagles broadcast booth, and... Man, the fans were going nuts. Eagles, rivaling Eagles chants from each side of the stadium. It was incredible. It was like it was like people were at a, were at a game. It was insane. But that just shows how crazy these fans are and how it's going to be even, even more insane now that they're Super Bowl champions. But it has been an interesting camp so far. I've seen, you know, as I said, I've seen them practice several times. And few things that stand out. To me, so far. First thing, the, uh, the the number one thing that has stood out to me watching the Eagles practice several times, the one player that has stood out by far has been Darren Sproles. It is unbelievable. You watch Darren Sproles out on the practice field. It is like nothing ever happened to him. The, he could be, I'm telling you, he could be a massive X factor this season. When they brought him back, I'm like, oh, that's good, you know, let him finish his career here. Hopefully he can give you something. Hopefully he can contribute in some way. Probably won't be the player that he's been in the past, but hopefully he still has something left, can give you something. But I'll tell you what, after watching him practice, watching the way he is he is moving around on the field, he looks as explosive as he has ever looked. And that's a game changer for this offense. Think about how explosive this offense was last year without Darren Sproles. Without a guy like Dallas Goddard. You add these guys in, a Mike Wallace, who's an upgrade over Torrey Smith to what they already have, this offense could, could shatter records. Shatter franchise records. 
It is insane. And Darren Sproles could be a massive focal point in this offense. People forget that before he went down, he went down in week three, very early. So it's easy to forget the first couple weeks of the season. But you remember those first two games against Washington and Kansas City? Darren Sproles was the lead back. Remember, at that point, there was no J.J. LeGarrette Blunt wasn't getting much of a workload early in the year to where people thought, you know, or is he going to get cut? Was it a bad signing? I remember the Kansas City game. I think LeGarrette Blunt was only on the field for like two snaps. Part of that was because they couldn't take Darren Sproles off the field because he was so effective. If Sproles is back at, you know, the level that we're accustomed to seeing him at, which I believe he is from what I have seen so far, that could be a game changer for the Eagles offense and for Doug Peterson. The level of creativity we know Doug shows on the offensive side is already superior. But when if he has a weapon like Darren Sproles, the things that you can do with a guy like that are, are just so exciting. And with the other running backs on the roster, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, who we know now, we he's another guy who early in the season last year, we had no clue what Corey Clement was. At that point, he was just a special teams player. But now with Corey Clement, you know, being the X factor we know he is, you know, Darren Sproles, you don't need to play him a ton of snaps. He doesn't need to carry that big a workload. But having Darren Sproles on the field for, even if it's, what, 12 snaps a game? But if you have him out there giving everything he's got on every play, not having to conserve any sort of energy, I'm telling you, he could make a massive, massive difference. I love the running back situation on this team. I love what Howie Rosen has done at running back. It is exactly what you should be doing at that position in this day and age in the NFL. Exactly what you should be doing. It's not a position where you should spend heavily. I have always felt that way. The short, the the um, career span is too short. The injury factor is too high. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it to give a running back big money or to spend a high draft pick. That's why, as great as Saquon Barkley is, I was happy the Giants used that pick on him with the second pick in the draft and didn't draft a quarterback because running backs go fast. You know, and I don't think it's wise to in, to invest high draft picks in them. And in the last few years, you've seen two division teams spend high draft picks on running backs. Cowboys Ezekiel Elliott, now the Giants Saquon Barkley. Howie Roseman's going the opposite route. Find value at that position. You know, you have Darren Sproles on a low-money deal, a veteran player. You have Corey Clement, an undrafted free agent who you, who is turned into a really good back in this league. Jay Ajayi, who you traded a fourth-round pick for the deadline, helped you win a Super Bowl. Now you're paying him, you know, next to nothing. And you're just going to let him walk at the end of the year. I'm telling you, you know, unless Jay Ajayi... Loves it here so much that he's willing to take a massive discount to come back, which he won't. He's not going to be back here after this year. That's fine. That's fine. Hopefully he has a good year. He can go out on the market. He can get value. But he's not going to get it here because that's not the way the Eagles view their running backs. It shouldn't be the way they, they view their running backs. They're just, it's just not a position that you should pay guys a ton of money. 
or spend high draft picks. I love what the Eagles have have done with that spot, and I think their running back group is one is is incredibly deep and is going to be really productive. When you put together Sproles, Clement, Ajayi, whoever that fourth guy is, whether it's Matt Jones, whether it's the rookie Josh Adams from USC, we'll see. But I love what they have at that spot. Now, the other position, obviously, that everybody's watching is quarterback position. And things have changed a bit from the last couple of weeks. I was on about, what, 10 days ago on, on 94 WIP. And I said, I would be shocked if Carson Wentz didn't start the regular season. And I still believe he probably will, but the fact he's still being held of, out of 11-on-11s, I'm taping this on Tuesday, August 7th, so uh, he, Carson just spoke today, also said he won't be doing 11-on-11s next week ahead of the second preseason game. So that doesn't leave too much time at this point. If he doesn't, it's fine because you have Nick Foles. But it, it remains to be seen. I, I, I'm I not worried at all. I know some people were worried that Carson Wentz isn't doing 11 on 11 yet. I'm not. If he, I think if he had to, he could. But part of it is why are you going to risk it? You know, why are you going to risk maybe a, a couple linemen rolling up on, on his leg? You know, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And that's why you keep him out. It lowers, it just lowers that risk. You know, there's a lot that goes on at the line of scrimmage. Defensive and offensive linemen fall over. They roll into his leg, and, you know, that could be it. And they're not going to put him out there until he's 100%. I know I've heard a lot of people, too, say they're going to rush him back. They're not going to rush him back. They are not going to put him in a football game, whether it be preseason or regular season, until he is, they feel he's 100% healthy. And, yeah, you know, if it happens again, there's nothing you can do about it. But if the... Doctors clear him. He should play. I still think it'll happen before the regular season, but if it doesn't, no big deal. And Nick Foles now dealing with some upper body soreness. He says it's nothing to worry about. Uh, is it concerning? Maybe a little. I mean, he hasn't practiced in close to a week. I highly would doubt he plays Thursday night. Thursday night, um, you know, it'll be fun, but we're not going to see a lot of the studs out there. It's going to be the Nate Sudfeld show. I My anticipation would be Sudfeld gets the entire first half, maybe a little bit of the third quarter, and then Joe, Cal, Joe Callahan um, comes on to finish it off. But things I'm looking for on Thursday night, I'm excited to see Sidney Jones. He's another guy along with Darren Sproles who has looked phenomenal camp. Sidney Jones all over the place making plays. All over the place. So I'm really excited to see him. I'm excited to see how the cornerback battle shakes out. You know, Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby, the starters right now. Jones is the nickel, and that's a good cornerback situation, man. If they're your three guys, I mean, that that's something you can really build off of. Three good young corners with bright futures in this league. You know, I'm excited to see those guys, and I'm excited to see Sidney Jones out there on Thursday night. We missed him last year. He didn't play all season last year, obviously, because of the Achilles injury until the last game, that last meaningless game against Dallas. But I'll tell you what, you watch him at camp, he is all over the place making plays. He's been incredibly impressive. So I'm excited to see him. As far as the other starters, wouldn't expect much from the first team defensive line, first team offensive line. In the past, Doug has played his um, first team offense about a series in this first preseason game, and then has pulled him. I expect the same thing here. And you'll see a lot of Nate Sudfeld 
throwing to backup receivers. But it'll still be fun. Excited to see Dallas Goddard. He should get some significant playing time in that game. Um, Zach Ertz been dealing with a little injury. I don't know if he'll play at all. But Goddard will be fun to watch. And it football's back, man. Football's back. Hard knock starts tonight with the Browns. That'll be cool. But it's going to be exciting. I can't wait for Eagles football to return on Thursday night. Now to close it out, I just want to address a couple um, interesting NFL situations dealing with players and their contracts. And I have been skeptical the entire offseason of how the Los Angeles Rams have been handling their business. I know a lot of people have raved about what the Rams have done this offseason. And it's been, you know, they've made some some sexy moves. You know, they brought in Brandon Cooks, got a keep to leave, got Marcus Peters, got in Dominican Sue. You know, they've done some things that on paper are going to help their team. No doubt about that. And I'm not saying this is a team that's going to miss the playoffs. I still think they are probably the... They are definitely the odds-on favorite to win that division and are, are most likely a playoff team. But I am s- kind of confused about the way they are handling their best player, and that's Aaron Donald, who is a beast. Aaron Donald, as much as I love Fletcher Cox, I think Aaron Donald is the best interior defensive player in the league, and he wants to be paid. And the Rams and Aaron Donald have been unable to reach an agreement on a long-term deal that they've been talking about for close to two years now. All the while, the Rams have gone out and given big money contracts to a lot of guys who weren't in their system. You know, they've signed Sue, uh, traded for Peters to leave. They gave Cooks a big money deal. Todd Gurley, he's a guy who's been there, but they gave Todd Gurley a, a huge deal. All the while, Aaron Donald is sitting back looking at this and going, okay, when's when am I getting paid? When is this going to be my turn? And I question going about it that way. You know, I don't think Aaron Donald is a guy you really want to make upset. Now he's holding out, and Aaron Donald has said he's willing to hold out into the season. He's willing to hold out until this thing gets resolved one way or another. He doesn't care. And, you know, you can be as good on paper as you want to be. We knew this in Philadelphia. You can put together a good team on paper. And a lot of times in the end, it doesn't matter if things aren't good and copacetic in that locker room. We saw it with the Dream Team. We saw it with the Chip Team in 2015. You can bring in a lot of guys that look good on paper. But if they don't gel well, things aren't going well in that locker room, it's not going to work. And if Aaron Donald, who's a highly respected player, a highly respected leader on that team, is unhappy and isn't in there, you know, that could cause maybe a division in that locker room. I'm surprised the Rams have not put more focus on getting this done. Aaron Donald's a hell of a player. He's a guy you want to make happy. He's a guy you want to be in camp. He's a guy you want to be there long term. So I'm kind of surprised how that's going to go. That's an interesting situation to monitor over these next couple weeks. And the other one that I found interesting is in the division, the Giants and Odell Beckham talking about a contract extension. And I got to I gotta give credit to a guy who I generally don't like, I generally think is immature and kind of a baby. But I got to say, I've been incredibly impressed with the way Odell Beckham has handled 
this entire situation. They're talking, they're, you know, Odell Beckham has said he wants to be the highest paid receiver in football, which whether he is the best or not, you know, we, we can debate that, but you know, you can understand why he'd want to be. Every guy wants to be the highest paid in their position when they're, when they're one of the best. But I thought Odell Beckham would pout. I thought he'd complain. I thought he'd hold out. I thought he would, you know, make a big, a big deal of this situation. Odell Beckham is in camp. Odell Beckham is saying all the right things when it comes to these negotiations, saying, yeah, I want to be paid. Yeah, I want to be here long term. Hopefully it all work out. I'm trying to learn the new offense. And maybe this is a sign of maturation from Odell Beckham, or maybe this is just advice from his agent. Either way, I got to say, I've been very impressed with the way Odell Beckham has stepped back, been a professional, been an adult, and handled this situation with a lot of class. And... You know, it's smart. That's the best chance for him to get paid. If he pouted and he complained and he, you know, made a big deal out of it, I don't think he'd have a good enough, as good a chance to get paid from the Giants. I don't think the Giants, you know, w- would really want to, you know, and just just commit to a guy like that. But Odell Beckham has handled this situ- situation very well. And, you know, I kind of hope he's not maturing because if he is, he's just going to become that much a better player. If he can control and harness some of that energy that has kind of gotten in his way on the field, he's going to be that much better a player, and he's going to be a big problem for the Eagles for years to come if he stays in New York. And it certainly looks like that's going to be the case. I think the Giants will get that done. I think Odell Beckham's done a very nice job handling that. The Aaron Donald thing, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to get done. But that could get very nasty. I, if I was the Rams, I'd, I'd pony up and pay him because he's worth every penny. That's Trash Talk with TK. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you all for listening. You can find me on Twitter at TommyKelly44. I'll let you know when the next podcast is up. And when I'm back on the air at 94 WIP, thank everybody out there for listening. I'll talk to you later. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.